On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about learning resources for AV. How do you learn about developing your skills? How do new people get into the industry? And what are some people in the industry doing to help that? All this and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A State of Control. A State of Control, episode 31, Reach One, Teach One, recorded January 26, 2017. A State of Control is brought to you by the fine underwriters of AV Nation, companies like Atlas IED. This is A State of Control. Welcome to A State of Control, AV Nation podcast that highlights the control, automation, and programming aspects of the audiovisual industry. I'm your host, Steve Greenblatt. Thanks for joining us today. We have another exciting episode planned. And uh, of course, I'll, I'll say that every episode, but I think that this one's kind of special. Um, we're going to talk about the importance of learning and how to find the education that you need to uh, both sustain and grow a, as a, an AV professional, as well as ways to give people opportunity to get into the industry. Uh, so with me to speak about such topics um, are a few panelists. Uh, one uh, two of them you, you know and one is new. Uh, first, I'll introduce our old friend who wasn't able to be with us last week, last month, uh, Rich Fergosa. How are you today, Rich? Good. Everybody's favorite Uncle Richie. Uh, mellow West Coast greetings. I'm glad to be here. I'm still <clears throat> a little under the weather, but uh, I'm a gamer, making sure I'm in. Very cool. We're, we're glad to have you back. Uh, next is a uh, frequent uh, guest of the show, uh, our, our friend from Germany, Patrick Murray from Control House. How are you today, Pat? I'm good, Steve. Guten Tag. How are you? Great. How are you? Hang in there. And lastly is uh, a newcomer, but I think he's going to fit in quite well, and we're going to treat him as such. Uh, his name is Dustin Berg. He's from uh, Pro AV School and Dynamark Media. How are you today, Dustin? Hi, uh, glad to be here. Thanks for bringing me on the show. You're welcome. Glad to have you. So between the, the increasing demands in the industry, the, the rate that technology changes, and uh, the lack of real formal education uh, for, for being able to, to get into AV, I, I feel like there's a, 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 you have to really kind of get creative to be able to, to learn and grow in this industry. So um, we're, we're going to talk about some different ways that, and, and, and different resources that are available. But I, but I kind of want to first start by trying to get a feel for how does everybody currently learn and, and what are some ways of, uh, of how ha have you personally learned and, and what, are, what are different ways to be able to grow in this industry? And, and uh, Rich, I'll start with you. Um, I, you and I have been doing this for quite some time. And uh, aside from learning, in, you know, as you go and by making mistakes, are there, are there any tricks that you could share that, or, or any successes that you've had? Well, you know, I think that the, in our industry, we've talked about it so many times, is that it's not just about code. Um, there is a 
whole lot that you're dealing with, not only your control system, but being fluent in everything else that's down the, down the road from the unit. And especially in residential, um, you know, we found that we've become de facto experts in lighting and climate control and pool control systems and motorized gate systems and security systems. And so I think what I've found more than anything else is um, you've got to have a willingness to research not just what your specific manufacturers that you're working with and, and your overall code base, but you have to spend a whole lot of time understanding the nuances of, <clears throat> of, of the subsystems that you're controlling. And I think once you get a, a good ground um, in that, um, it tends to make your life a whole lot easier because you know what to expect and, and, and you can deal with it appropriately. Uh, but as for me, you know, it's, it's a uh, start. I mean, I went to film school, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I didn't see this one coming. And I originally started out from the design side of things and uh, the control system programming for me was an extension of uh, focusing on, on the, the, the human experience on, on the user interface side of things. And um, I think that that's something that, um, you know, we, we do want to focus on as well. And when you're thinking about it is, is, not getting caught up necessarily in the gadgetry of what we do, but always making sure is what we're delivering um, something that normal people <laughs> are going to be able to interact with. Sure. I, I think, think you bring up a good point. And I, I think, especially when you're talking about programming, what you have to learn, it, it, the code is, is, is probably one of the smaller parts. It's learning all the other things as well as learning how to, how to just deal with the, the situations that you put in. Uh, so, so Pat, when you approach uh, learning, or or if, if you were to give advice to somebody who who's trying to to uh, to make it in this industry, knowing that there's uh, there's plenty of opportunity, what where where would you steer them in terms of being able to 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 break in? Because these days, the systems that we do are a lot more complex than they used to be. Oh yeah, definitely. So I've been thinking about this question since you sent us the outline yesterday. And um, I think looking back on my career, one of the most important things was having mentors. So I worked for a lot of different small companies and a few larger companies. And in the smaller companies, it was always people who wanted to get things off their plate who took their time with me, really. I remember looking at a touch panel the first time. I didn't know, what does this thing do? And somebody had the patience to explain it to me. And eventually I went to manufacturer's training and that's how I got started with programming. But I started pulling cable and, and fabricating cables and racks and things like that. And there was always this kind of mentorship, you included, when I worked for you as well with the control specification and actually putting on paper what that button does. Uh, I think that's a real important part, but I think in the larger companies, that's a lot more difficult to have that kind of a small family atmosphere where everybody is helpful. There's a lot more politics involved, but um, a larger companies also have processes, which could be a huge strength. So if you could start somebody out with really small tasks, maybe cutting cable and then fabricating the cable and then building the rack and then testing the rack. So really make it small pieces and just build up over time. And eventually you'll have this overview like Rich was talking about of understanding all the subsystems. And then if you have a coding background or if you're new to coding, you could jump into that and know how you're going to apply it. Because 
that's the most important part when you sit down to, to write a program is to know where you're going. Absolutely. I think that that's always been a challenge in the fact that if, if you don't really have that blueprint and, you know, and it kind of comes back to the, to the whole scope of work discussion that we tend to have a lot too, that it, if you really, if you don't have that blueprint to, to write a program, how, how do you know what it is that you're doing and how do you know that you, you've accomplished it? Exactly. Otherwise <laughs> you're just guessing. I think it should work like this. So, so Dustin, you, you and I had a, a, a chat recently where you were talking about training a new employee. Um, where do you start? Like, because what, what, I've had some struggles with this, and and you know, you you can you you can rely on the manufacturer's training, but it just seems like if you, there's just a lot of gaps, and, and you, you you learn you may learn fundamentals, but the application is really where the value is, and and I, I, I haven't seen many ways of being able to to learn that aside from doing. Yeah. Well. So I brought on a, a junior guy who's got a lot of experience with, uh, with code type stuff. He's actually pretty well versed in C sharp, which as, uh, as most people know is how uh, simple sharp is, is derived from in a sense. Um, but he didn't really have that much experience with programming Crestron. So um, sort of what, what everybody would say, like mentorship and stuff um, with him, I've been doing a lot, like a lot of showing him, like it's been about six months, I would say for him to be able to start actually taking, taking things and making them happen instead of <laughs> kind of sucking my time to help. Cause I got to slow down to show him what I'm doing and help him learn with the, the grand vision. Like you got to kind of have that grand vision that eventually he's going to be able to do what I'm doing and I can do something else or work on something else. Um, but it takes, it takes a while to get there. So I think like mentorship is, kind of the only way to get from sort of newbie to having some level of experience um like the the on-site training and stuff it, it's a few days it's just like if you're not in the right spot to uh to learn what you need to learn it's just like it's over your head you're gone and you're looking at it six months later like how did we do that again i think i've seen it so um i've i've kind of developed some training to kind of sort of take that mentor experience and put it into like a, a online format that people can kind of refer to. And we could probably talk about that as we, as we continue on a bit. Sure. I, I think this, that this mentor thing came up again is, is really interesting and it doesn't need to be some kind of official apprenticeship program. It could be just a few people sitting at a table uh, fabricating cable together because there'll generally be some people who are more experienced than others. So just a typical workspace where you have four or five or even just more than one person working together, that is a form of mentorship, even if it is just for a few minutes saying, hey, you know, you can do that a lot faster this way. And over time, those things really add up. There's kind of a, a big uh, precursor to that, I guess, for the, the people that are learning as well, is they have to have a level of curiosity and interest in what they're learning. Otherwise, it's just, it's not really gonna work regardless of what technique you use. Absolutely. Like they have to kind of push themselves, pull themselves along a bit, ask some questions that they're struggling with. I think people who let, wind up in AV have a general curiosity about how things work. Absolutely. So Rich, I'll bring you into this conversation. It, 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 you know, of course, mentoring somebody who works for you is one thing, but when you're working with other people or if you're working on your own, um, 
it, do you feel like our industry lends itself to people trying to help each other out in terms of transferring knowledge and skills or, or, or you, do, you, do you think that it's more, there are more defined lines and, and, uh, and kind of a, a competition or, or a, you know, a competitive advantage that, that stands be, between that? Um, I think that as a whole, the programming community um, is kind of communal by nature. It's just by, by nature, I think we, we um, share information that's just kind of our, our base dna at least most of um <clears throat> the individuals who who i interact with um uh, you know i love collaboration I, I i love the fact that you know i can work on a project and the reality is is that you know there's some things i'm really really good at there's some things that are not my strong suit and if i can work with somebody and we can both get something out of it and you know I, my, my feeling has always been from a business approach is that you know you it's you get more people in there, you're all going to eat, you know, if you do it right. Um, and, um, you know, I do know there are some companies who have a little bit of a, uh, a gag order in terms of, you know, disseminating information or talking about projects. And, you know, that, that's their right as a business. Um, but I find that to be the exception to the rule. Um, I know in recent years, um, we've seen a proliferation of kind of user groups. You know, I mean, we, we, we've all been part of it, you know, in the computer industry and whether, you know, you were online as a kid or, you know, in the, in the old days, there used to be the, the BBSs, the bulletin board services. I mean, that's why I go back. I go back to, you know, a 300 baud modem and, you know, typing in and, you know, my first experience, you know, interacting with people, uh, you know, across the world and sharing information that way. And so we've seen an extension from it. Um, you know, I know, in, you know, there's Facebook groups, there's uh, Yahoo groups, there's, um, uh, I guess Slack, uh, a couple of Slack groups have opened up. So the what's changed is now is that um, you know we're not constrained by proximity. Um, you know you don't have to be in a room to mentor somebody. You don't have to be in that boardroom with somebody or you know on the residence because typically on the, you know, on the job learning doesn't do doesn't go well a lot of times in our industry because yeah, i mean we're just under you know just serious deadlines and half the time you just don't want the guys getting in the way um i agree with what dustin was saying which was look you know there, there's a time and there's a place for it and and also fresh ideas you know I, I'm, I'm getting closer to 40 than i uh closer to 50 than i am 40 and you know there there's some really really bright kids and, and great ideas coming up and new ways of looking at things that my generation, I've just done it differently so many different ways that now um, I, I have to open myself up and, and, and embrace that and say, hey, you know, these, these guys are bringing something that, you know, perfect example is somebody who's much more fluent in, in uh, C Sharp, you know, is going to bring a, a different view of how and why something should be done as opposed to where my filter has been looking at it. Um, so, you know, again, I think that the, the technology is how we make our living. And so I'm a big believer in using that. And I do that. I, I love the forums. I love maintaining um, conversations. I use Twitter a lot. I mean, I, a lot of the integrators that I've worked with, new integrators I've worked with over the past five years, a lot of them started out with, um, you know, literally just pitching in. Somebody was in a bind. And, uh, you know, for no other reason than just to, pass it back and you know there's my west coast five thing again but you know sending that positive karma out it, it it comes back and so and that's kind of the way that i view it is that i think just that you know we're predisposed to want to share what we do because we're geeks in that in that area 
Sure, I, th I think you bring up a lot of good points too. Uh, you know, as far as the, the forums and the Facebook groups, and so so and the, the Yahoo group has certainly been strong for many years, and and I think a lot of that is a good example of how the the informal methods of learning and and being and, and collaborating have, have really been sustainable. Um, so, so Dustin, you, you know, we'll kind of pull back, back the curtain a little bit. You had uh, given us a little bit of preview. Uh, you, both you and Pat ha have invested in, in providing some learning opportunities for the industry. Um, so what, what was your motivation for that? Um, I think it's, it's very challenging to get into the industry. And even when you're in it, it's, it's challenging to kind of get – like get trained up essentially like i think there's there's kind of a big barrier to entry even if you work for an integrator to kind of go from the guy on the street to working for the company to all of a sudden taking programming training and getting kind of down that track and i think a lot of uh, a lot of people kind of see that as kind of the elite because you don't have to deal with all the all the uh, messy stuff but as we know as programmers we, do, we deal with more problems for longer and <laughs> It's not necessarily that you're getting away from messiness, but um, I think that it's it's hard because there's an investment that the company has to make, even if it's just the time that it takes. Because you're hired to do something, and if you want to do something else, you need to be able to. Uh, they need to validate that you're going to make use of the training, and so what I've what I've kind of done is is started a couple of years ago. I guess I started doing some YouTube videos, just showing different things about. Um, about programming and i know like like simple windows and stuff it's like a it's something that's protected pretty pretty closely by crestron and um a lot of people will try to get it and do their own stuff i my purpose is not for that it's more for like here's how it looks this is kind of what it is if you want to know more then here's something you can start kind of getting your head wrapped around because it's sort of this this huge barrier that you need to have an account set up and get the software to even see what the heck it is. Um, in my experience is mostly with, with Crestron simple windows, just to kind of preface that. Sure. So, so you, are you targeting uh, programmers that are curious or, or even just AV people who are curious or programmers that are, are starting out or, or where, where, are you, where are you headed with it? Right, so I kind of I kind of went in a couple of directions there. Um, it's more what I'm doing is I've actually created a, a course that goes through kind of building a project from start to finish, sort of a basic project, and this is how I would approach everything. And I kind of go step by step in in a number of videos. It's it's about seven hours worth of videos, kind of kind of boring, I guess, but you can watch it in steps and stuff. Yeah. Um, but kind of like sort of peek over somebody's shoulder, see how how did you do that? Because I find when I watch somebody else work, it always, it always kind of triggers something. Oh, that's, that's interesting that you did it that way. I'd never thought of doing it that way. So it kind of inspires that kind of stuff too. And it's more targeted towards people that have, um, they've taken maybe level one training, maybe level two, but they're not really full-time programming. So they, they want to get to full-time programming, but they're still pulled in many directions. And then they get thrown a programming job and they're like, oh, Oh no! <laughs> How do you do this again? And there's a guy that's in my in my class right now. That's that's exactly his profile. Like, he he's tr he called me and he's trying to do this job. And I'm like, you got kind of the basics, but you're missing a whole bunch of experience of like how things are supposed to talk to each other. And so this is where where it would help him to have somewhere to like 
at night go on to to watch the video and say okay how did you hook up that panel how do you get that panel to talk because this stuff isn't really documented that well like you you need to kind of have a lot of experience with it to be able to just throw things together and make it work sure so so pat i'll i'll, I'll um, throw it to you obviously and, and i know that you, you kind of have uh have a, have a similar offering in terms of have, developing tools and resources for somebody that's learning programming your your your, your target is a little bit different than dustin's but it, that's, that's a lot of work. <laughs> how, how did it, what, what motivated you to, to go down this, this path and, and, uh, and, and how, how do you, do you see this being uh, received by the industry and, and um, you know, where, 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 what does the future look like for you? There's, there's a few points that I need to make here. So whenever you teach something, you get better at it. It forces you to think about it. So your understanding of it improves automatically. Um, but more importantly, I, I spent a lot of time working with uh, iOS and Swift, making apps. And I also worked on some desktop applications using Node.js. And then I went back to using our old AV programming tools. And it was really frustrating. So, and so, it was, so I've seen the other side, right? I've seen the light. And um, <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to go back. And it's kind of like I know all these other programmers who are right? So much smarter than me. They're talented, they're working hard, and they just don't know about the benefits of these tools. You really have to experience it first because you have all of these years of modules develop, developed and your ways of doing things. You could program in simple windows blindfolded most of these guys out there. So give me a reason to switch until you actually sit down and start using it. You don't have that reason. So I was going through it anyway because I wanted it. So that's why I went through the pain of, of recording all the videos and figuring it out for myself anyway. And it's kind of like when you hear a new song and you want your friends to hear it, just share it. You know, you want everybody to join it anyway. And um, the other part is there's going to be an API for everything eventually. I don't know when. It could take a really long time. But right now, internet services, there are APIs to, for Google Maps or whatever. But I really think that the equipment in your rack will just have an API. I, uh, <clears throat> and we won't be messing around with um, RS-232. At least that's what I hope for someday. And you, you just can't do things like that with the old tools. So we're going to be forced eventually to use these tools anyway. And they are there and they work. It, it does work. I use it in projects. I know of other programming companies that have moved all of their development to Simple Sharp Pro. And I just see no reason not to dip your toe in the water and get started. Um, there was something else I wanted to say, but I lost the thought. <laughs> That's okay. We'll come back to you. So, so, so uh, Rich, as a potential cons consumer here, um, how do you... Where do you see this fitting into uh, the, you know, either your uh, growth and knowledge as a as an AV professional or or you know somebody that you're you're looking to to help grow? Well, you know, again, it it just comes back to knowledge. It comes back to opportunity, and and um, you know, I, I'm all for it. I mean, it's 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 the reason why I think if you have any. Uh, 
any business in the residential side uh, of the industry, you should be at CEDIA. You should be at the trainings. You know, uh, again, it's it's part of that association. Uh, you know, if you're on the commercial side, absolutely, you should be at Infocom. You should be at the meetings. You should be part. You know, you should be taking part in the panelist groups, and 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 you should be building that that network. I think what it what it does um, more than anything else is we're, we're still a community, and we're a small community. And I think that by you know Dustin and Patrick providing tools and reaching out, it lends a face to the information. And we, we just by nature, we're, we're going to be a lot more comfortable sharing information or reaching out if we feel we, we, we at least know that person in some way. Um, and I think that that's where there is a need um, as a programming group to, to really nurture that, to really promote that, to, to show that, hey, you're not the only guy that's been sitting out there with a laptop sitting on a, on a paint can, uh, you know, <clears throat> Uh, trying to get someplace up and running. I mean, there's it, it's a very solitary thing that we do at times. And, and we, we can forget that there's a bunch of other people out there who are going through the same thing. And so I think that this just is another way to, to uh, give people, like you said, they, to build that curiosity. And I think Dustin made a really good point is that um, you know, you have to satisfy the curiosity as well. You can't just be forever curious. There has to be something at the end or something to reach towards. And I think that these tools and the videos, and Pat made a, a, a great video. Uh, I guess it was about a month ago, a month and a half ago. Um, you made one of your, your, your little instructional video that you did. About the interlock. Yeah. 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 The response was great. That's why I made a course out of it. Yeah, exactly. But, but I mean, just that one little snip and I was like, that was brilliant. You know, it was just walking along and going, here's how I did it. And, and what it brought back for me was, um, you know, sitting down with, with guys who have, who, who have, you know, my protégés who have gone on and, and done some really great things in the industry. But I remember sitting in, a, you know, in, in a room and going, okay, here's how we're going to do it. And, and walking through step-by-step step with the screen and watching and monitoring and bringing it through. Or, you know, I've, I've worked with integrators at other times and, uh, I was talking about it the other day and remind me of I, I had an opportunity to work with a couple of other programming companies on a project. It was the timelines were so tight. We all had to take different parts and there happened to be a junior programmer there and he was kind of asking why. And I went in and ironically enough to finish the project, I went, stop. And I literally put on a, kind of an object oriented programming 101 crash course in the middle of their boardroom with the whiteboard and going, here's why you're getting from here to here here is the thought process that we're going through it. And I still get calls from this guy, you know, a couple of years later, and it's taking that extra step. And here we go again, giving back to the good karma. Um, but I, but I think from a business standpoint, you generate more business out of that generosity and that willingness to give back than you ever do just take. So, so following up on that point, do you, do you guys in, and, 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 you know, uh, I'll go around with this. Do you, do you think that, there's also value in people doing things a certain way and, and, and building commonalities and building best practices. You know, I think knowledge and, and understanding of the topics, because so, so personally what, what intrigues me a, a lot about this is that I think I, I mentioned in the open that it's, it's hard to bring somebody up to speed and uh, whether they're learning a new platform or whether they're coming in and they're new to programming in general. Um, but learning how to do it is not the only the only important part. It's learning how to do it in a way that is 
go to be, a, I guess, a, a, an industry, dare I say, standard. <laughs> um, so, so do, do uh, Pat, do you envision that that providing resources is going to allow people to work better together because they're all learning to do things in a similar manner? Well, I think <clears throat> I think it's important to to just start off with we do custom programming. So you need to do what's right for your project. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, I, I heard an interview with Steve Jobs once, and he was arguing that programming should be a liberal art because it requires you to think. And I think that's the most important part about discussing any kind of standards or way of doing things. It just forces us to think. And if we're thinking in a group, then it just, it just improves everybody in the room. Even if you decide not to do it that way, you've hashed out why you would do it that way. And you have that use case kind of in your head. Like right now, we all have to figure out if we're going to move. I mean, I think this panel here is tilted towards Crestron a bit. So we'll just keep mentioning Simple Sharp Pro. If you're gonna start using that, well, the first thing you have to deal with is how do I deal with all these join numbers? Do I say if join number one, else join number two, else, and we're all dealing with that exactly same th thing. It's, it's really ugly to do that. And we're all need to figure out our own way to deal with that. But if we, the more we talk about it, yeah, there will be some standards that come out of it. But in the end, you know, you have a standard in your company, maybe there will be some kind of a programming style guide that we come up with as an AV industry. That would be really interesting, but I would hate to see it in like spec in a project where you have to do it that way. Unless of course, unless of course it's a big rollout where there are teams working uh, across a, a larger region, for example, but then you would write a style guide for that project. So sure. I think, I think hashing these things out, just the thinking about it is really useful. We actually had a, uh, a you know, just to kind of tie in a past episode, but we, we, we actually had done a two part, uh, show on the importance of knowing what's under the hood and and be and, and writing good quality code and, and you know so that that's a another d discussion but but i i i think it's something that that's worth considering and sure. and uh, you know to being told how to do it uh, is probably not something that's going to fly but but having uh, the certain uh, certain standards or certain quality um requirements I think is is what's important well there are programming concepts that when you see them you can recognize them they have a name and you see it and you recognize it oh that's done this way so we could fall back on that and kind of start taking those things because what we do is unique it's not web programming we're dealing with real-world devices so we do need to do it uh, to adjust things for our industry so so Dustin I'll uh... What one thing that's that's curious to me is is uh, how do you balance keeping up with uh, doing training and, and providing these types of, of resources, as well as being the, the guy out there do, doing projects? Yeah, that's uh, that's something I haven't quite figured out yet. Um, I I benefited from a couple of slow months to uh, spend a bunch of time working on on kind of putting together my the first course. I'm still kind of finishing it off. I got a couple more videos I need to record. Um, but yeah, that's, that's tough. Cause when it gets busy in AV, it's like 
the the world rains down on you and everybody wants everything and that's like the problem with av and the problem with programming av that i found is av is the last trade in and programming is the last part of a of the av trade and it's just we're there like hours before they want to like turn over the room and it's just like can't do it that way but i like i don't know um so anyways it's challenging definitely but i think um kind of like like Patrick alluded to is if you have uh, stuff that like it helps you learn as you're doing the training. So some of the stuff that I'm working on in real, in real life helps me to put kind of different ideas into the training. And that's also a good point to touch on like theoretical versus practical, because like if you go to a, a training class, they'll say, Oh, you can name a symbol, anything or name a signal, anything. And you can, there might be reasons why you want to structure your naming so that when you go to debug it later, you can kind of correlate stuff together in a more meaningful fashion. You don't really understand why you would want to do that until you've gone through the whole process. So I think like being in the field and working on stuff regularly also helps me to bring that back to, to be able to teach it rather than just kind of sitting in an isolated environment and playing around with stuff that's not really practical. So we're, we're, uh, we're getting close to, to our time limit. I'm going to close this with you, Rich. If you were to give these guys some advice and, and, and uh, kind of guide them as to where you, what you think the industry needed, what, what, would, what would you offer? Uh, I mean, first off, it's, it's uh, stick to your guns with what you're doing. I mean, what, what, this is how associations are formed. This is how we go from being kind of guys getting a band together and actually building something that that brings us together. I mean, CEDIA 27 odd years ago was basically guys getting together and saying, there's gotta be a better way. We've gotta help one another as an industry. So first off, I'd say, just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, I, 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 uh, I'm very appreciative of that. I think um, the biggest part though is, is uh, you know, we, we have to embrace the fact that our group is getting older and so now you guys get the ability to carry on that mantle and and looking towards the industry as a whole and how are you going to give back like you said you had mentorship opportunities um you know there there was it was always what was it a reach one teach one um and i think that that staying with that that focus and you know we have the technology to promote one another now and so uh you know it's not always easy when you're doing it um out of really the goodness of your heart in this case and so it's easy to get discouraged and so i think i think the first part is remember that it is appreciated it doesn't always feel that way <laughs> and it's a whole lot easier to criticize what somebody's doing than to actually do it um and so uh, just kind of stick to your guns in that respect and so uh, I'll, I'll be happy to promote the heck out of you. It's a, you know, you've got the Uncle Richie stamp of approval. Thanks, uh, sir. Sometimes that's all you need. <laughs> well, that, that'll do it for today uh, for our episode of the State of Control. I, I think it's been a great conversation. And as I said uh, in recent episodes, these are all some topics that require follow-up and, and continued discussion. So, so please uh, leave some comments and, and reach out if, if you get, if, if you guys want to hear more about it and we'll, we'll continue the discussion, but I'd like to thank our guests today. And, and I'd also like to give them an opportunity to promote the, the work that they're doing. Um, first, uh, Pat Murray from Control House. Uh, thanks for being here. And uh, why don't you share a little bit about how, the uh, listeners and viewers can find out more about what you're doing. 
Thanks, Steve. Um, <clears throat> yeah, if you go to learnavprogramming.com slash a state of control, I'll get a few goodies up there for the show listeners. Some code wow. that you can download and have some fun with. Learnavprogramming.com slash a state of control, one word. Thank you. And uh, how can they find you or learn more about your company other, otherwise? Yeah, just Google control, H-A-U-S, control house. Excellent. I take up the whole first page. <laughs> uh, next, uh, thanks for being here, Dustin. Uh, Dustin Berg from Pro AV School and uh, Dynamark. How can people find you, learn more about what you're doing, and uh, get in touch? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, that course that I talked about, the Crestron Basics Bootcamp, kind of built for people that have maybe gone to level one, maybe level two, and need a bit of a refresher or a bit more information on how to kind of program. Uh, if you go to proavschool.com slash state of control, I'm going to put a special offer to, uh, to get into that course for you guys. Just to clarify, is that going to be a state of control or just state of control? State of control. Easier to type. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to forward both of them. <laughs> it's a good idea. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you both. I'm sure the, the listeners and viewers will appreciate that. And last but not least, uh, Uncle Richie, glad to have you back. I know that you, you're uh, fighting off uh, a, a sickness, but we're, we're glad you hung in there with us. Uh, anytime. Happy to be here. It's always, it's always a good time. So for those who don't know, how can uh, they reach you, find you, and get in touch? Uh, easiest way is uh, fregosadesign.com. You can find me on Twitter. And actually, Twitter's probably the easiest way, at rfregosa, uh, fregosadesign.com. Um, or you can just type my name into the Googles, and uh, I tend to crop up there quite a bit. So anyway, I, uh, like I said, uh, any way to reach one, teach one. I think that, that we might have a title for the show. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Uh, so my name is Steve Greenblatt. Uh, you can reach me uh, at my company website, controlconcepts.net, or at Steve Greenblatt on social media. Uh, but most importantly, come visit our website. Uh, leave a comment. Uh, let us know what you're looking to hear. Let us know what you think of the show. Go to avnation.tv and uh, look at the State of Control page. And while you're on the site, uh, check out our underwriters. Those are, are the people who help us to make these things happen. And, support our efforts uh so also check out other shows uh the the weekly shows as well as the monthly shows uh connected uh is a great show and also the avit show i think that those are both uh, some content that this audience would definitely be able to appreciate it and, and learn from uh but that'll be it for today for state of control thank you for listening thank you for viewing and uh we'll see you soon